Welcome to The Forbes Factor, featuring celebrity TV host, million-dollar entrepreneur, and renowned health and fitness superstar, Forbes Riley, a familiar face from TV, as well as one of today's most sought-after female motivational speakers today. You'll connect with some of the top experts in health and fitness, business and personal development, as well as some surprise celebrities, all sharing their insight, tips, and tricks to finding true happiness. Now, here's your host, Forbes Riley. Hello, 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 everybody, and welcome, welcome, welcome to the Forbes Factor, one of my favorite hours of the entire week. How's it going, everybody? Uh, For me, it is, it's shaping up to be an amazing, an amazing year which is exciting because it doesn't always do that. January is not all my, always my favorite month. Hey guys, write this down real quick. If you're playing along for free, I've got an amazing event coming up. If you're listening to this live, otherwise don't care, but it's called realsuccesswomen.com. It is an event that I'm doing with Sharon Lecter and some of the top female entrepreneurs around the world. And I'm sure there'll be recordings of it. So if you miss it live, you're going to want to check this out. I'm excited. Three days of me, Sharon, and 20 of the most amazing entrepreneurs who wear a skirt. I think they're female, but in today's day and age, how do you know? All right. On that note, (laughs) I'm making my guests smile. You know, we're going to talk a little bit about motivation. We're going to talk about real estate. We're going to talk about making money in the 21st century. You know, one of the things I got my real estate license. I, I tell this story, uh, because, and I wish I had stuck with it, but in the in my early days, I knew real estate was the thing. I'm in New York. I get my license. I go through all of that. I do a showing of my first apartment. I leave and I tear my license up and said, I'm not doing this. I wish I'd known that there were things like real estate investors, that that apartment that I was showing for $22,000 is now worth $22 million at the same address in New York City. I didn't know, but then if you remember correctly, I was also around during the dot-com boom and I did not buy like my friend did for $8 business.com that he sold for 52 million. Oh, massive FOMO going on over here. So you can control what you can, but the best way to know and learn is to listen to mentors. And in this 21st century, guys, you have access to people like you've never had before. Clubhouse is one of my jams. I love it. You know why? And my guest, don't tell him this. I have a thing that every bald man should be a mega millionaire. You know why? And not a joke. And this, my guest is married, so he knows what I'm telling is the gospel truth. An hour to do the face makeup, 45 minutes to do the hair, 20 minutes this morning to do the lashes, the nails. I don't think he spent a minute on his hair. When you meet my guest, you'll see what I'm talking about. That hour times every day of the year is like 350 hours. Guys, if you're bald, you need to be rich. Come on, just a blow dryer alone. All right, I'm just kidding, but you know what I'm saying. And so he is going to give us some tips and tricks. I met him on Clubhouse. Now, the cool thing for me about Clubhouse, you don't have to wear makeup. I have done a Clubhouse broadcast in my bathtub. I was so cool. I tried to do a Zoom in my bathtub and I got shut down. So <laughs> it is definitely my, my jam because I'd love to hear new points of view, meet amazing people. And my guest today is just a beautiful happenstance. And he is, you've seen him on Million Dollar Listing on Bravo TV. I've watched his videos with his his handy dandy social media iPhone showing properties and selling them halfway around the world. But more than that, he is a father. He is a husband. He is a very generous man. And today he's going to grace my stage. Please welcome the one and only Mr. Tony Giordano. Hello, Forbes. How are you? I'm so I'm so stoked to be on your uh, on your show today. Well, thank you, thank you. See, notice the hair thing. I got to tell you, how much time did you spend on your scalp today? Come on, give so, it up. You know, I, I since you brought it up, I have to I have to talk about this for a second, and you can verify with my wife, who I believe is streaming in. Her name is London. She's she's listening in right now. But uh, people think that this is like you know you don't have to do anything. When I shave, and especially with my face, you don't see anything but my eyes with shaving cream. And that is every day. Every day I razor this because I don't like the sandpaper feel. So as soon as it starts growing like tonight from shaving it this morning, I'm going to shave it again. It's always smooth. And it takes some time and you cut yourself and you have to be careful. So London, London, if you're listening to this, your husband. Now, really trying to justify the bald thing. I, I'm loving this. Because right. I'm, I'm going to say that that's, that's equivalent to my legs, just so you know. It's easy. But, <laughs> but the truth is you are wildly successful, my friend, because you have figured it out. So will you, by way of introduction, tell everybody who you are. 
My uh, name is Tony Giordano, and most of my uh, career has been in Los Angeles. I was born in Los Angeles and then kind of just grew up in Southern California around Los Angeles, north of Los Angeles, and got into real estate and sales about 23 years ago now, 24 years ago, actually. And God, I'm getting old. Um, I actually think it's 25 because I got in when I was 20 and I'm 45. So yeah, it's been 25. Eesh. I got into real estate. First, I got on, I got in on the finance side, uh, made millions in my 20s as a very young sales kid that should never have been making that much money, who, because I didn't come from money, didn't know how to spend the money. And in 08 and 09, after owning dozens of homes, cars, boats, you name it, I had it, perfect life, quote unquote, and lost everything in the 2008-2009 crash. Had to reinvent myself, you know, went through a divorce. My youngest son was diagnosed with autism. I lost all of my uh, material possessions. Houses were foreclosed. Cars were repossessed. And finally, in 2009, I just lost my passion for the finance side. So I switched to the real estate agent side. Instead of financing the houses, I was selling the houses and started implementing things online that no one was doing back then. And still very few people do correctly when it comes to social media and SEO and completely exploded uh, in business. I was getting multi, multi-million dollar listings in Los Angeles from people I was just engaging with online who had never met. That led to writing a book, The Social Agent, which was actually, this was the first one, which people call a book. I call it a pamphlet. Look at that thing. I mean, it's like yeah. a book. That's okay. Size, size doesn't matter. It's quality. <laughs> size doesn't matter. But the next one was bigger, okay? Uh, so <laughs> the, so the, uh, uh, the book became a bestseller in 2012 after it released. And then that kind of really accelerated my speaking career. And I started getting asked by a lot of different real estate brands, like all the big brands you hear about on the news, the, the ones that are national started calling me to speak at their conferences and summits, teaching salespeople how to build a business, how to brand themselves online marketing. And so even though my wife, London, and I still sell real estate, uh, I am able to be on a plane speaking to audiences, helping entrepreneurs and salespeople build and grow their business month after month in what I teach, but it's also very inspirational because of what I went through to get here. Well, so let me ask you a question. Let's go back a little bit earlier. Where did you grow up? Uh, born in Beverly Hills, but most of my life, I grew up in a little beach town north of Malibu, south of Santa Barbara called Ventura Beach. Um, grew up in that Santa Barbara area. My wife was born and raised in Ohio or grew up in Ohio. So that's right there by Santa Barbara too. And what did dad do? What was, what was the, and when I say born in Beverly Hills, it's because we lived in Van Nuys, but my wife, my mom went into labor while she was driving through Beverly Hills. So. Oh, oh yes. My, I was, I was, so people know I was born in Beverly Hills at Cedar Sinai. So were my kids. My kids were born in Cedars. Can I say that? I know. Yeah. I was born in Beverly Hills. I mean, Beverly Hills, baby. what did you ask me? Oh, my dad, uh, dad was a landscaper. He came from aviation. Uh, when I was a little, little boy, he worked for Lockheed in Burbank and was just an inspector of like military jet parts. But it just, he didn't have a passion for it. He kind of had a bad conscience at, at one point. He thought because he was the one saying this part is ready to go, it would then get put on an F-14 and that F-14 would go to war and you know, people would die, you know, and he just didn't want to be a part of it. So he said, I'm going to do what your grandpa does and become a landscaper. And my dad became a, a mow and a mow and a blow just gardener uh, for the rest of my life. And then eventually he got into companies and doing stuff with irrigation. And my mom was a bookkeeper. What do you think drives you to be so passionate about what you do and become so successful? You know, there's no question that when people ask me that and ask me what motivates me, I've always deferred back to people. People motivate me. I could never be in a career where I'm constantly not meeting new people. I could never be in a career where it's the same, the same few people that come in and buy something or do something. 
And I grew up, you know, surrounded by parents that were teaching me the power of education, the power of teaching people and helping people. And so that has always come out in my drive. So yes, I have a passion for real estate, but it's because I get to teach people and even our clients all the time when they, when they decide to list with us versus another agent, I, we almost always hear, uh, it's because we felt like you educated us. You actually didn't say what you do. You showed us how you do all these different things. And we feel like we learned something even for our own, our own company to grow with the stuff you do to sell a house. Now I can help my dentist practice grow. Um, so I think that I just, I'm driven that way is, is helping people. And, and my, my mom, honestly, you know, she changed my life and she, you know, made me know that I could be, you know, anything. And I always have her, you know, on this shoulder. Well, so one of the things that I talk about when I, I teach and coach people that I was probably one of the luckiest kids on the planet as well. Didn't have a lot, a lot of money growing up, but had that thing, that indefinable thing called love of two parents. And I do think that having the balance of both of those energies, good, bad, or indifferent, the irony of that statement, though, is that I, as I'm putting it together, the more you speak, the more you put together your own life, is that I did not want to be my mother so badly that I became who I am. My mother was overweight. She didn't want to work out. She had a certain mentality. Most wonderful woman in the world believed that I could fly, could do anything, but she herself was not that. And I remember when I left at 17 to go off to college and... I'm like, great, now you can do things. And she never really did with her life. And I very firmly said, I'm not going to be that. So sometimes even though they love you and support you, you can either be them or go from them. Um, and it's a fascinating thing, but having that love, I'm finding, I, I spent a lot of time doing a lot of charity work with a lot of kids. I raised a kid who was also not my own for 12 years. Um, and that that's the biggest thing. You know, when we talk about parenting and you have now two kids on your way to having, who knows how many more. Um, but that time, it doesn't matter how much you buy them or spend with them. It's that love, that energy, that encouragement. And now that my twins are 20, I'm hearing the good and bad that I did raising them. I actually going to write a book about this because, well, it's fascinating because it's like, mom, you know, we, I wish you would have done this, or I love the fact that you, you worked so much. I learned to do this, but I could have used that. The answer is there's no right answer. And the problem to being a parent, and maybe you have a thought on this is it doesn't matter what you do it's going to be wrong at some point. I loved it too much. You didn't love me enough. You gave me too many toys. You didn't give me any toys. All right. Well, but that love that I hear that you had, I think instills a little bit of your sensibility. Do you find that with people? I do. I do without question. I, you know, it's that down to earth mentality and, you know, having that, again, that motivation towards people and, and just love listening to other people and hearing how other people think and what they want in life and stuff like that. So that's kind of what led me to becoming a, a mentor and opening my own coaching company and consulting for people because I didn't want to just do it for our clients. So we have about three minutes to my first break. When we come back, I want to talk about the energy about writing a book and what it did for you. And ironically, that it's a pamphlet. <clears throat> One of the many things that I do with my, my daughters, we have a company and I, I, a huge product for us is called GSD, which I think you'll appreciate. Stands for get shit done. And so you can GSD anything. GSD is a mentality that I think most entrepreneurs really need to key in. In our world, there's no such word as procrastination or I'm trying to do something, but it is a very foolproof system. GSD an ebook, GSD an online course, GSD an email list, GSD a funnel. And we teach that. And it's interesting to see how you've managed to get shit done in your world, uh, including your book. And I would love to hear from your perspective of what that first book did. Because I teach this every day that every entrepreneur it becomes a little bit of a manifesto. So yeah. maybe before you, we leave, we got two and a half minutes, tease us about what was the energy behind the book and what was the outcome of it? So the energy behind everything in me and, and my inner passion that makes me wake up every morning and my big why, as Simon Sinek always says, you got to know your why, is tell me I can't. Oh, hashtag watch me. We are <laughs> just, just doubt me. Like, give me the doubt, please. And I've been doubted all my life. I've been doubted that I'd never be successful. I was doubted that I'd never become a firefighter. And I did. I was doubted all these different things. And what was funny is I was sitting at a summit and the guy who was on stage was trying to motivate people to write a book. And he, he just said, you know, you should do it this way. And if you've ever had a passion for writing a book. All right, so hang on, hang on. We're going we're gonna to hear the end of the story okay. after our first break. I am loving this, guys. <laughs> we're, 
we're siblings under the skin. Tell yeah. me I can't do it, and that's what I want to focus on. You guys, this is an amazing conversation. We're going to hear a word from our sponsors. You're listening to The Forbes Factor. We focus on health, wealth, and happiness, and today's show is making me very happy. I see London's out there. She's smiling as well. We'll be right back after this message. Don't go away. Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. If you hate going to the gym but want to shed that extra weight, finally get a flat stomach and tight toned arms, we have the most unique solution. And get this, it's fun and takes less than five minutes, two times a day. Developed by Fitness Hall of Fame inductee and TV health expert Forbes Riley. The Spin Gym is the most compact, low-impact, resistance exercise ever developed. This simple handheld device provides the most unique fat-burning, metabolic-boosting workout suitable for all fitness levels. You've seen it on TV and in print with more than 2 million sold. What are you waiting for? Get your Forbes Riley Spin Gym at buyspingym.com. Order now and discover how easy and fun it can be to get in the very best shape of your life in just five minutes. Guaranteed. There's never been another product like the Forbes Riley Spin Gym. So try it risk-free for 30 days. Visit buyspingym.com today. This is the Voice America Influencers Channel. Be inspired. You are listening to The Forbes Factor. To call in with a question or comment, please call 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. Or send an email to Forbes at ForbesRiley.com. Now back to the show. Here's Forbes Riley. Hey, everybody. Welcome, welcome back. We're having the most engaging conversation with million-dollar listing superstar, author, father, coach, speaker, the one and only Mr. Tony Giordano, who, by the way, I had a fight to get on this this network. No, just kidding. We did not. We had to fight our schedules. That's what we oh had to do. Oh, my goodness. You know, I because I for so many years, it's just funny, again, as you go through decades in your life and you can mark the different times, and I'm at a certain different point in my life than I, and you are as well, that you've ever been before. I just have some years on you. And looking for role models to figure out what you want. My daughter, who runs my company, we got into a bit of a, of a heated argument uh, I am in my sixth decade. She is in her second decade. We have different long-term goals. She said, Mom, what, you know, what's the 10-year plan? I'm like, if it's not a nursing home, I'll be happy. I, what do I, I, you know, it's like, wait a second. I'm happy. She's like, look at you. You look like you're 40. I said, I understand that, but I'm not. And I think sometimes that's an important thing to understand. Tony and I were talking earlier. He had his kids when he was 20, and now he's thinking of doing it again. I had my twins at 42. I will tell you, children when you're older is spectacular, and it is what keeps me young. You know, it's so funny that you said that because I've always said that is I think kids keep you young. If it wasn't for my sons making me stay on the basketball court and stay on the field and try to keep up with them in their teens, you know, I wouldn't have stayed young. And I think and I always wanted a daughter and my wife and I, uh, without question, are going to start a family. And I know that those kids will keep me young, you know, because I won't be exactly young, but they'll they'll make sure she keeps me young, too. I love it, but I don't want to lose this. We were about to spill the beans on how the two of you met. So let's just yes. go. So because we're public streaming now, I'm going to go with the public one instead I of the one on No, the private factor is we were in a relationship for four years. She just didn't know it yet. Uh, <laughs> digitally, you know, I was already dating her. Um, but we were friends uh, through mutual friends for uh, a few years. We, I, we met and uh, I met her in a group of people. She was our server, um, but she knew she knew the people. Right. And my friend said something and I heard her laugh. And so we've always said love at first laugh because I heard the laugh before I saw her. And we then I just introduced myself to her and she introduced and we became that group mutual friends. Like, good to see you, London. Great to see you, Tony. And we just kind of knew each other that way. And then Facebook friends and stuff like that. That's where I went with the dating digitally. Uh, And then finally, um, either I was always with a girl or dating somebody off and on. And she was always with somebody off and on or or for a long time. And then finally, the universe, we were both single 
at the same time. And little did I know a friend of mine had told her a, a year before, Tony has a thing for you. And she's like, what? And so we went out that night and we have been together ever since. That was October 13th, 2013 was the first night. And we got married October 13th, 2018. So October 13th is our big day. Oh, I think that's such a blessed story. Yeah. All right, then back to the nitty gritty of this. You wrote a book or a pamphlet that you, what was the impetus behind the book? Or pamphlet. How did Look, you- I said the next one was much bigger. Okay, <laughs> like we don't have to talk about the first one anymore. Well, but the point is, well, and we do want to talk about the first yes. one. I'll tell so, you why. Because I do think I always, it, changed, it changed the trajectory for you. And exactly. I preach that everybody should have one. Yours worked. I want to hear why. So in 2009, when I switched to the sales side, and I, I kind of started blowing up doing social media marketing and stuff. I still had a passion for teaching. So I was speaking. I was speaking all over the country in 2010, 11. And now I'm at an event in late 2011. And this guy's talking about writing a book, if you've ever had a passion. And somebody who is consistently a guy who always doubted me was sitting next to me at this business conference. And we were friends, like business friends, but we weren't super close friends. And you know, his name was Rick and he would just, he would be like, oh, you'll never take the market share from this beach area for me. And I took it in less than nine months and stuff like that. And so I said, I'm going to write a book. And he looks at me, he goes, you're not going to write a book. And I go, Rick, I called him Rick the prick. Uh, Rick, I'm going to write, write a book. And he goes, no, everybody says they're going to write a book. He goes, you're not going to write a book. And I'm like, thank you. That's, that's again, you doubt me again. So I started writing a book and following a plan. And it took months because I wanted to write it myself. And then it came out. And there's something to this because he probably, when I came out with the book was like, I'm never going to doubt him again. But this is the problem when we focus on people who we know are wrong about us. This is what's wrong when we focus on proving the wrong people wrong. And we don't focus our life on proving the right people in our life right. And so we put the doubt on ourselves because of what they did. He probably thought that, but then I said, now he probably doesn't think I can publish it. So then I work hard to get it published. Now Rick probably thinks that'll never sell. Now Rick thinks that I'll probably never be a bestseller. Now Rick probably thinks, oh, he only wrote one book. He'll never write a second book. And I'm the one that keeps thinking when he's probably just moved on, but the naysayers will never call you and say, you know what? I doubted you and you proved me wrong. God, I should have known you were right. They're never going to do that. So we keep thinking they're still doubting us. And we just come from a negative standpoint. So where I wanted to go with this is it's one thing to want to prove people wrong. You know, that is a fuel. But if that is all you focus on, you're never going to be focused on the people who believe in you. Who, who know you're right, who know you're going to achieve great things like the mom or the mentor or the coach or the dad or the uncle. And when we focus on them, we come from a positive standpoint. I'm going to prove you right versus I'm going to prove you wrong. And so we have to make sure that we limit how much we're willing to have that proving people wrong as our day-to-day fuel. Wow. It's an interesting thing to hear you unpack it. I launched my fitness product. I don't know if you've ever seen my spin gym. It's a handheld fitness product. Looks a lot like this. And not only was I told that it was going to go nowhere, I was told it was going to go nowhere on a national reality show that I spent five months filming on. And it shattered my heart. Uh, that night when it aired on television, it was the number one Google search word. I woke up and there were a lot of negative things. They, they edited things differently just to prove a point. And I woke up the next day and I said to my partner, he said, what are you going to do now? I said, I'm going to sell spin gyms. He said, but nobody wants them. I said, they're wrong. He said, they can't all be wrong. I said, but they are. Hashtag watch me. And I'm going to share with you that every morning, every day for three years, I woke up with that energy. And it's a fear. I could barely go to sleep because I was so busy writing, producing, manufacturing, getting, I mean, that's all I did maniacally. And so people wonder how success happens. And I will tell you, at some point, I, you're like you said, I had to stop having that be the energy and focus on how many people believed in us. But for me, it got things done. And I don't know why that's such an energy driver. And so my advice to anyone listening is that whatever works for you, but I do think you need a spark. 
And sometimes it's somebody pushing you against a wall before you truly learn that to win, you do have to fight back. And I don't mean fight in a bad way, but it is a it is a conversation every day. I have entrepreneurs who I ask them questions and they'll say, I, I can't do that. I'm like, let me share something with you. Here's what you are as an entrepreneur. You are a problem solver every day, all day. I get pro- that's all you do. Everything is a problem. And however you want to look at it. And your job is to find solutions. And so when you come to understand that, you embrace it a lot more. So you write this book uh, as that's the reason that you wrote it, but it had an effect on you. What was the effect so that my entrepreneurs can hear the effect of a well thought out book? And also let's go into a little bit about what it was about in terms of social media. Sure. So, you know, now I'm writing the third book and I'm also writing the inspirational book. Uh, These books, the first two were really kind of techie and teaching people the power of online marketing and, and what to do correctly. And I think what I've helped a few people write a book now, because I think that a lot of people, when they start to write a book, they just start on page one and they're just writing. And, and that's not, that's not, you're you're never going to probably finish it that way. You need to first you know, have the title and what the book is going to be about because it's going to motivate you. So when I was sitting there, I was like the social agent because the social social media was was on the rise, the new era of social networking. And so then I went on GoDaddy, the socialagent.com, taken, the socialagentbook.com, not taken, by. I haven't even started writing the book but I knew what it would be about. And then you start writing the chapter titles and and then you start writing the skeleton of each chapter. And before you know it, you have the full skeleton of the book done. And now you just have to write it in a reading format. So it starts with what is, what do I have knowledge of that I know can help people? And once you know that everything can, can fall in line. So then once the book came out, I got to say I was an author. And once I self-published that book onto Amazon and I went through the self-publishing process, I didn't just, I didn't just think that I edited it correctly. I hired an editor to make sure I didn't misspell anything. I hired a design team to help me design the front cover. I made it as if a publisher had come to me to, to pay me to write a book and so that it was good. And then once it published, the fact that I could go out there and say published author and have a product now when I speak and teach to also sell, it just, I mean, the domino effect that happens after that is is incredible. I love, love, love this. What would your wife say about your work ethic and your drive, do you think? Uh, is she still on? <laughs> just kidding. Uh, no, I think she's in a meeting. I think she's okay, not. <laughs> great. Uh, no, so, so watch it later. I, I know that I am, I am highly overdriven. Um, I think it's just the way I was raised. Uh, is I, I just never comfortable. I'm never okay with my own stats. I'm constantly, I'm my worst competitor. Like I, I tell people all the time, like I don't think about the people in LA who are also agents and, oh, I want to beat that agent. I look in the mirror and I just want to kick my number one competitor's ass, which is me I, every day. I want to kick his ass from the day before. And so the Tony Robbins disc assessment, where you, you take the personality assessment, you find out where you are in a D. Oh, you're only, yeah, you're only D. <laughs> right? I'm 99D, 98I, 17S, and a 24C. So I am just major focus all the time and work, work, work. But I think she would say that she has tamed that over the years and allowed me to be present. When we first started dating, she found out I hadn't been on a vacation in seven years. The only travel I was doing was speaking events and stuff like that. And so she forced a week and a half long vacation in Tulum, Mexico, and it completely changed me. And now it's two or three vacations a year. And so she has really pulled that drive back, but she'll never She'll never want me to sacrifice that drive because it's also helped her increase her drive. And together, we're just very driven. I I love this. Absolutely love this. All right. uh, Let's change paths a little bit. What advice would you give to someone? A lot of my listeners are speakers, want to be speakers. What's Tony's top 10 things or so that you would you need to do to get to a level of success in that industry? Yeah, um, you know, I would say. I would say step one is you just have to see if anybody wants to hear what you have to say. So what you have to do is when you're first starting out as a speaker, first of all, you just have, you need to know if you're good at speaking. Like 
if you if you've heard people say, "Wow, you're you're so natural when it comes to talking about a subject or something," and you just have never had that that stage fright to get in front of an audience, then you're probably a natural. Like now, you just need to know what you're going to talk about. If you are, if the thought of it is like, "Oh my God, teaching and speaking in front of people," that you're never going to get rid of that until you practice over and over again. So you, that's the only way you'll ever overcome that fear is doing it. So step one, stage fright, you're going to have to go for it. Non-stage fright, you're natural. Step two, what am I going to teach? What comes naturally where I don't have to read behind a podium? If you're having to be a lecturer instead of a presenter and speaker, if you're going to be focused on this, it's going to be more difficult because nobody wants to sit there for an hour and hear a lecturer. They want to hear a passionate presenter. So now you have to think, what is my topic where I don't have to worry about, like if somebody asks me a question, I can just go and talk about it forever and answer any question. Now, step three, offer your service. If nobody's asking you to do it, say, hey, I would love to come to your organization and teach all of your employees uh, a, a little hour lunch and learn on what to do. And that is what's going to allow the next seven steps because how that goes and then wanting more information, then now you can go and start establishing more organizations. And then before you know it, people are coming to you and saying, hey, we heard you had a great thing. Can you speak for our company? What do you charge? Now, if you're new to this, you have to start low unless you get some massive connection that says, I'm going to have you on stage when you've never spoke before and we're going to pay you $30,000. Unless that happens, you're going to have to start at the very bottom, which means that when somebody heard me, it, the, the, the way my speaking career took off is somebody said, hey, how are you doing this? Do you mind getting up in front of our real estate sales meeting this week and telling the other agents in the office how you're doing it? And I said, sure. So I talked for 15 minutes. That was it. Now I talk for nine hours straight on stage. But after that, a woman came up to me and she was the branch manager of the office in Calabasas because this office was in Malibu. And she goes, would you mind coming to my office next week and teaching my agents that? That was awesome. And I said, sure. What do you charge? Now, at that point, I had to ask myself, if I just say what I would want, because I was a I, I was just now rebuilding everything I lost. So any money was good to me. But if I say something low, I might lose her respect. If I say something too much, she might say, uh, I can't afford that. So I had to angle it. And I was like, Colleen, come on. I can't believe you even asked me that. Like, I'm going to charge you what I charge everyone else. You're like family. I'll come, you know, maybe take me out to lunch or, you know, Give me a couple hundred bucks for my time. Are you serious, Tony? Yeah, just pay me for my time. Like, I'm not going to charge you my speaking fee. And so then we get there. I do the next event. I get a couple hundred bucks for it. Cool. And the president of the national luxury division of that real estate company I first worked for was at the Calabasas office that day, dropping something off from Beverly Hills. She heard me and she said, Wow, that was amazing. Would you would you be willing to do this at our national conference to 2000 top agents? Whoa, whoa. And I said, "Sure." She goes, "Well, what do you charge?" And I said, "Well, what do you guys want to budget? Like, we're family. Like, I'm not going to charge you my normal speaking fee." You guys hear what a great technique this is? You know what? We are at, we got to take a quick break. We're going to come back no and find out what No, I want to know what you charge at the end of this cuz that just the way that you structure that is genius. Guys, you're listening to the Forbes Factor I'm here with Tony Giordano. Now we've gone from real estate to speaking to writing books. There's so much information you're not going to want to miss it in the last part of our show, so do not go away. We'll be right back. Connect with us, and we'll connect with you. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is on LinkedIn. Get the first word about happenings with the network, where our next live event will be, and what's up with our hosts. Look up Voice America on LinkedIn. 
If you hate going to the gym, but want to shed that extra weight, finally get a flat stomach and tight toned arms, we have the most unique solution. And get this, it's fun and takes less than five minutes, two times a day. Developed by Fitness Hall of Fame inductee and TV health expert, Forbes Riley. The Spin Gym is the most compact, low-impact, resistance exercise ever developed. This simple handheld device provides the most unique fat-burning, metabolic-boosting workout suitable for all fitness levels. You've seen it on TV and in print with more than 2 million sold. What are you waiting for? Get your Forbes Riley Spin Gym at buyspingym.com. Order now and discover how easy and fun it can be to get in the very best shape of your life in just five minutes. Guaranteed. There's never been another product like the Forbes Riley Spin Gym. So try it risk-free for 30 days. Visit buyspingym.com today. Change starts here. Change starts now. Join us, the Voice America Influencers Channel. You are listening to The Forbes Factor. To call in with a question or comment, please call 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. Or send an email to Forbes at ForbesRiley.com. Now back to the show. Here's Forbes Riley. You know, one of my favorite parts of having this podcast and radio show that I've had for so long is the quality of the guests that I get to meet. Tony uh, reached out to me before the show. He's like, what are you going to ask me? What do you want to talk about? I'm like, yeah, you know, we kind of, it'll, it'll find a flow between the people who are watching it live and, and my own curiosity and the genius of my guests. I'm enjoying this to no end. Um, Same here. Yeah, and thank you. So uh, we were just you about to get to the whole when you drop that nugget about speaking. Because so then this is a much bigger event, and she's asking like like I know there's going to be multiple speakers there, and this is a huge annual conference and a big audience. For the, at the time, that was a big audience, two thousand people. Uh, and so I said, you know, same thing. But now I was elevating, and she goes, she goes, well, what do you charge normally? And I go, Betty, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna talk to you about this, like. What do you want to do? Like, how about this? Where is it? She goes, New Orleans. And I said, why don't you just pay for my travel, fly me out, put me up in a room, like, and, you know, get me into whatever corporate, you know, executive meeting is going to happen where maybe I can get on the national circuit for the company in general. And she goes, are you sure that's it? Just pay for your travel and, and introduce you to everybody. And I said, yeah, because I just didn't want to risk not getting in front of that audience. And now 2000 people can buy my book and hire me as a coach. And so now I get on stage, I do it. That just le- that opened the floodgates. When it got to the point of having to tell people what I charge, I knew that I couldn't, I, I couldn't just throw something out. I had to find out, well, what is the going rate? And so when you're at events and somebody's speaking who you are comparing yourself to, and you're like, like, that's what I want to do. Or you spoke at the event and the next person up, you were like, wow, they are, they are way more well-known and speak all the time. That's who I want to be. Then what I did off the record, but it's not off the record because we're online right now, is <laughs> I had one of my, I had one of the people on my team contact a handful of other speakers Smart. that I had met at other events and say, hi, my name is so-and-so. And we're going to be planning some event, not mention my name, just we're going to be possibly planning an event. And we heard you're a great speaker. And if we, if you could send us your, your breakdown of your pricing and what you charge and, you know, how it works, we'd love to possibly book you. And I collected in them all and I started seeing a trend that they were all around this. And back then it was for that level of speakers, it was like three grand and four grand and then before I knew it, I was getting 10 and 15 and 25 and 35 and 50 and it's in front of 25,000 people. And it just, but it all started with, oh, I can't charge you. Just buy me lunch. I love this story. Uh, I have a similar story. And I will tell you, if you, if you want to be a speaker, you really, I want to go back and watch this again. Because Tony, thank you for sharing how you did that. That's um, pretty genius. And I can't stress enough, you have to know that what you're teaching, people want to hear. 
and you're going to have to be great at speaking. And so everything you guys are seeing me do right now, my dad taught me at the age of 12. He's a minister. He wanted me to follow in his footsteps and teach teach the congregations and the church and, and the, you know, everybody. And so by the age of 14, I knew how to gesture. I knew how to make eye contact. He helped me work on how to make an audience laugh, how to make an audience cry, use an illustration to compare it to this day and age, all these different things. I want you to work on timing. I want you to work on walking and, and looking at people in the eye until they turn away. Cause they're like, Oh my God, the speaker's looking at me. And by the age of 14, I was a teacher. But I never had anything to use it with until that first time where somebody said, hey, would you get up at the sales meeting? So you need to know that you're, you're, you've practiced enough in teaching and, and you can always use your family for that. Get your closest friends at dinner. Next time you're at a birthday, stand up. If you've never done this, I want you to be the one that stands up, ding, 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 and says, I just wanted to say how special this event is tonight and the fact that I was invited and and I love you, Jennifer, and your birthday. And I just wanted to share a little thing about you and let them hear. And that's when you start to know, okay, I got this. I'm going to share one of my favorite little things to do. When I'm at an event, you want to be known. And because I teach pitching, you go to an event and someone else says, does anyone have any questions? And I teach my clients, my friends, my students now to hear. Everybody take your arm and go like that. As soon as they start saying that, everyone go like that. It doesn't matter what you say, or it doesn't matter. And I will tell you the one time that I did this, as I use it as an example, why would you do this? Well, I, moved, I just moved to uh, Tampa, Florida from Los Angeles. I had opened up a television studio and I'm at a movie screening. And I always know at the end of this, they have the director, the actors. They always ask anyone have any questions. So at that moment, you're like, all right, what do you want to do? You do not want to stand up there and go, hi, my name is so-and-so and I'm www. That's not going to work. But I teach everyone that, and don't just ask the question. But there's a little tiny window in there where you can be adorable and get your message out if you're strategic. And it's definitely like having your team ask, you know, speakers what they charge. At this particular event, anyone have any, my hand is up. I stood up, there's a thousand people there who are all in this new neighborhood I live in that I want to know. And I simply in a very sweet way said, oh, just loved your movie. You always want to edify someone. I just moved from Los Angeles to the most amazing little Mecca here in Tampa. I built a television studio. If any of you guys ever want it, oh my gosh, you got to come see it. It's awesome. All right, now let me ask you a question. What did I just do? It was a complete billboard for what, do you know when I walked outside, I had a line of people wanting to meet me. And that is one of my little techniques. You want to be known. You don't say a whole lot, but just enough that the ears of the people listening to you want to know who and what you are. It's genius at collecting and networking. And you know what? Let me add to that because I wasn't taught this. Somebody didn't say now. Somebody's going to come to you and say, what do you charge? And this is how you're going to navigate it. It was common sense to me. It came natural. However, it can be easily taught. I have something called how we prepare versus how we present. And you know, I was prepared for those questions. And so what I want you to do is knowing that these questions are going to come and then you prepare how you're going to navigate through them. So when I got asked by her, when she came up to me, I'm not going to rush my answers. And so when she said, look, I'd like to put you on our national conference, I knew it was coming. And so as she's finishing her sentence, I'm already having to figure out, just ask her to pay for travel. Like, like, you know, I'm thinking as she's talking and that's called controlling conversation and pausing process. There's been times where somebody's asked me a question that I wasn't prepared for. And right when they asked me that question, I was like, oh my goodness, wow. Uh, wasn't expecting that question. Uh, oh, I'm so sorry. And I pulled my phone out. I pulled my phone out right when they asked me the question. I'm like, oh my gosh, I, I cannot wait to answer that question. I am so sorry. I have to take this really quick. It's a call I was expecting. I'll be right back. And I went to another room and I Googled what they asked me. Like, and I was like, what the heck does that mean? What is that? Oh, okay. Blah, 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 blah. Da, 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 da. Okay. Yep. Got, got it. And then I went back. I'm so sorry. I had to take that to go do research. Oh, that is genius. I just left that part out, but I, I had to take that. I had to, I had to take this, but it's not lying. And so I went in the room, did my research, came back and I go, okay, so sorry. Boom. Ask me that question again. What were you talking about? Oh, that's right. Yes. Well, it depends. Is it this or that? And they're like, oh my gosh, you do know what I'm talking about. So what I'm trying to find out, and it turns into this long conversation. So if you ever see me do that to you, I had no idea what you were talking about. <laughs> <laughs> 
You know what? I've never met anybody who's done that kind of strategy, guys. You know, I teach three words. It's called research strategy and leverage. And I live by all that. And it's kind of what you you have mastered. And it's so nice to talk to you. Uh, and I, I will people rush all the time and they don't process when they're in their language of sales. They're very like, like sell, sell, sell. And we need to be more process before you answer that question when it comes to business. Well, I think what's interesting is I was unpacking a little of your history, is that having something to do with ministry and understanding that I come from being an actress and improv and stage work. I was born on a stage. I've been an actress. I was on Broadway. So when I'm on stage and you hear vocal quality or you hear under all the little techniques, you don't even realize that I'm doing that. So if you do want to be a speaker, I'm going to highly suggest that you study a little bit of speaking and not it's not just writing the speech, but the delivery, the execution, the techniques behind the scene. One of my mentors, one of the things he always taught, which never noticed, you know, and he would do his introduction and then he would break down what he just did. And one of those was when he walked with his book up on stage, he'd carry his book like you have yours and he would put it on his heart and he broke this down it sort of was genius because so often you see someone successful but you don't really understand how they get there and he would take the book and he said guys i've got an amazing book right here something i just love and if you go to the back of the room he's literally telling you i don't have time for questions but meet me in the back i'll get a free copy of my book and i'll answer any question he is literally specifically telling you what to do and planting it in your head i thought man when i do that it is like shooting fish in a barrel people get up and they go and do like they do exactly what you tell them to do how wonderful is this? There you go. We are revealing secrets that I don't think we've ever shared before. And you guys are witnessing it live. Well, I got a, I got a lot more secrets, but yeah, it's uh, again, that's why my passion is for, you know, coaching and teaching people and, and helping people grow. I do love that. Uh, as in this 21st century, we hear a lot of people talking about real estate. What's your thought? I have a 20 year old daughter. She's got some money in her pocket was thinking about buying the thing of starting to 20. So there's a long lifespan there. What do you recommend if you're just starting out and you want to do something in the real estate period? I don't know whether it's investing or building or flipping, I don't know. Well, if, if, if you're wanting to get into real estate to have a career, then you just first, you have to know that you're, you're, you want to get in a career of sales. Yeah, no, not a career. I think it's about if everybody. Tells to, if you're wanting to invest in real estate, then uh, you know, everybody's talking about the market that we're in now nationally, like it's not as busy as it was the last couple of years and prices are kind of stabilizing and interest rates have gone up and, oh, is there going to be a crash during the recession this year? Bottom line, what I try to tell everybody, there is never a bad time to buy real estate. Never, ever. And people are like, huh? There's only a bad time to sell real estate, but there is never a bad time to buy real estate. Why? Real estate always goes up 50 times more than it goes down. It's the hottest commodity on planet earth, dirt. There's always more people being born and less dirt and dirt by oceans, even more expensive. And so when you look at the national price index from 1950 to today, this is what it looks like. And yet there's been four crashes in between. There's never a bad time to buy. But if you bought and then the market crashed and you were forced to sell because you couldn't pay your mortgage payment and ride out the storm until it comes back, then that was a bad time to sell. It's unfortunate. But I think a lot of people just don't realize if you can afford a house, you can afford the interest rate and you can afford whatever you're buying, that real estate, buy it. Because we are not building enough homes in America for how much many homes we need. We are in a low inventory crisis for the next few years. And even if we might see little blurps of, oh, I could have got this $550,000 house for $530,000, that, that means nothing because that house is going to be worth $750,000 in five to 10 more years again, or twice as much. So I think people just need to understand like the buyer's markets are this long in the graph. Sellers markets are this long because real estate always goes up for longer periods of time. When we do shift like we're in now, they only last about a year and then it starts going up again. So I would tell her if she if she has the money and she wants to invest, she she needs to do it before anybody else. I love that. Thank you for that. We've got about two and a half minutes left to go. Uh, your philosophy, your thoughts for everybody listening, just overall for it, just to inspire people. Oh boy. Um, 
Well, again, I go back to my two big philosophies and quotes that I constantly share to people. And we already went over one. Stop focusing on proving the wrong people wrong. We already know they're wrong. Stop focusing on them and change your focus to proving the right people in your life right. That's philosophy one. Philosophy two is do not live your life every day with the attitude, well, it can only get better. And a lot of people do. They're going through times right now and they're like, good grief, man, I've hit the bottom. It can only get better from here because he or she or whatever you believe above you will quickly make you realize you can have it a lot worse when you have an attitude that it can only get better. What we need is instead of having an attitude, it can only get better. We need to have a gratitude that it can always be worse. Oh, I love this. I've got 30 seconds left to close. Mr. Tony Giordano, it's been a couple of weeks we've been trying to do this, but it was so worth the wait. I love I, I would say if people want to connect, reach out to me, then uh, the best place would do that is the Instagram that I put in the comments, or you can just go on Instagram and search Tony underscore Giordano, and you'll see my little black and white headshot, and that's, that's how to connect with me there. Yep, um, and I've got you all over. We are a live show. We're going to end in about 15 seconds. I've got all your social medias everywhere. Mr. Tony Giordano, you want to find him. You want to get to listen to him. I may be going to Naples next week to hear him speak live, guys. Ah, my name is Forbes Riley. You listen to the Forbes Factor, health, wealth, and happiness. I'll see you again next time. Be well, be safe, and thank you. Thank you for making the Forbes Factor an important part of your week. Be sure to join Forbes Riley again next Wednesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. We'll see you again soon.